Hello. Welcome to episode six of To The Studio. This week, we've got Ray Hicks on the podcast. Ray works in painting and sculpture, using common and familiar forms as devices for examining the distorting powers of materials. Recent shows for Ray have included All or Nothing at Langley Gallery in London, My Head is Round So My Thoughts Can Change Direction, Assembly House in Leeds, Yay, An Unusual Way of Spelling Yay at Jeer Sandal in Los Angeles, and has work in a show currently called Material Images, which is at Marvin Gardens in New York. I had a great evening catching up with Ray in his studio over in Thameside Studios in Woolwich. We talked through the importance of constraints, his formative experiences studying in Germany, all the way to how he utilises his time in and out of the studio. So a big thanks for tuning in. Here's our chat. Evening, Ray. Evening. How are you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for coming over. Oh, mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I should say, um, as we kick off, that we're at well, Ray Studios in uh, Thameside, which is over in Woolwich, and um, and I should say that Thameside are doing a really, really, really good thing. If you've not had a chance to get over there, um, well, they're really affordable studios, right? Yeah, they're pretty good rates as far as London goes. Mm. Quite big, and then there's the gallery downstairs. So it's quite a good program. Yeah, how does that work down there? Can you, um, if you've got a studio here, can you apply to put on shows? Um, I think, I think it's just general. It might be just general open submission. Cool. Uh, a guy called Phil Ashcroft that manages it. I think he's the one to get in touch. I think so. Yeah, so not not entirely sure, but that's what I think it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, starting off with some advice. <laughs> yes, there we go. Everyone, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, man? What you been up to today? Uh, today, um, just uh, yeah, cause just been sort of tackling this long, this uh, long in the tooth painting here, which has taken taken well since May. Um, everything else, everything smaller, I've, I've been working on has left the studio for various shows, and mm. and now I'm I'm back to being confronted with this thing that I've been trying to avoid for as long as I can um, the last session I had on it was one of those rock bottom ones where you get really upset with yourself and upset with the whole genre <laughs> um, so I was I was just I was just not confronting the the issue I was hoping it would sort of go away but um, still here staring at you it's still here staring at me um, <laughs> um, but I've got I think I've got a handle on what to do yeah, I've come in. I've come in purposefully and done that today because it's a. It's a, I'm in a good mood, <laughs> and this is happening, and it's not the usual. You know, it's like it's like speaking to someone dangerous in public. It's like if you do it in public, they can't hurt you. <laughs> yeah. <Whereas> if, <laughs> if you're here, I can't get too. I can't get too bad like I do with with my paintings sometimes, and. Yeah, hopefully make some sensible decisions. <laughs> yeah. Is it rare that a painting will take you as long as this one has? No. Most uh, more and more they do anything that's a bit bigger. But I'm trying to bring that, I'm trying to bring that back in again because I've realized it's not necessarily to the uh for the good of the work if it takes that long. Mm. 
Mm. I used to think there was a kind of sort of an honour in pushing a painting through for months and months and months. And sometimes there is. Yeah. Um, I think it's good to not give up on on work and not to throw stuff away and to learn to accept yourself. But I think that if you're going to accept yourself, you can accept some things that come along a little bit earlier than I have been doing and not worry as much, possibly, which is really hard to do. Mm. It's easier to worry more with this kind of thing because it sort of feels like you're being diligent. Yeah. But actually, you just it gets to a point where you're just kicking yourself mm. and it's not very productive. Mm. Do you feel like having a painting like this kind of going on in the background kind of facilitates you to kind of um, kind of push through other paintings that, that might go on at the same time a lot a lot, a lot kind of quicker or a lot more quickly sorry yeah so I've done since I started this I've probably done about 10 other paintings they're all smaller but um, they're all I felt quite successful I might not feel like that in a few months but um, yeah because it's like making a, a big mistake and and you think, well, I've got a chance to not do that now with this other one that's next to it. Um, it's sometimes very nice to mentally to have this white canvas next to this one that's just become a sort of litany of crimes, <laughs> a rap sheet. Um, it's quite, yeah, it's, it's a nice sort of sense of starting all over. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, the... Uh, the other ones have worked out much better, so I, I guess it it does help. Yeah, it certainly hasn't held them back. Mm. Um, and you mentioned um, that you that you've made some work, um, or that work has kind of left the studio um, and has gone into various shows. Can you, um, yeah, can we talk about those? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Nothing I like more. <laughs> um, so the ones that I've just sent from the studio, I've sent a few to New York to. Uh, a gallery called Marvin Gardens, which is um, run by a guy called Anthony. Uh, I don't know how his second name is pronounced, Myler or Miller, mm-hmm. um, maybe just Miller. Um, uh, that should be happening later this month, and that's with Jenny J Lee and an uh, artist called Lulu White, who I've, I don't actually know anything about yet. Mm. Um, so that's where one half of the works have gone. And the other half have gone to the Manchester Contemporary with Longley Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, both situations, size was of the essence <laughs> yeah. uh, due to logistics and things. Um, also, Anthony just seemed to like my smaller work better. So it was nice to take a break from these larger paintings, which are ones I fight with. Mm-hmm. And just like with drawings, smaller paintings seem to work quicker, more easily, mm. and the the ideas come out more freely. Mm. And... I make more progress with what I'm sort of thinking about. So yeah, the, having those two shows has been a, a, a big help with getting through certain blocks. Actually, yeah. Do you find so? Do you find that deadlines like shows kind of yeah push you on and push things on in the work? Yeah, they. Uh, I like. I quite like constraints. In uh, I work well with constraints anyway mm. because I'm not a very disciplined person. So if I have something that enforces a constraint that does tend to bring out a, a good side of me a sort of a resourceful side 
yeah. and a, a bit of pragmatism that I don't usually have. So to have a deadline and also to have the idea in your head that somebody's going to be definitely going to be looking at these hmm. at, a, at, at a specific point, it does make you um, think about pulling things together um, a bit sooner than because sometimes I might never actually think about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just having that sort of gentle pressure and sort of wanting to please people yeah. a bit um, is obviously sp supposed to be a crime. Yeah. But, and it is in lots of situations, <laughs> but it's also not in lots of situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes there's nothing wrong with it and sometimes it's fun. Yeah, like people. It's, it's only natural. It's only natural, right? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Only, and mm. the people are going to be people who are interested to a degree. And um, also, it's not only pleasing. It's like it's like a reaction from people, because um, the worst thing is indifference. And actually, that's what you struggle with most as an artist. I think I feel I feel like on in in drama, in in sort of TV and film artists and people working in, I don't know, media and literature and things are constantly seen to be coming up against uh, rejection. And my girlfriend's watching Glee at the moment. Yeah. Isabel's watching Glee and um, everything is either a triumph or an embarrassing failure. And they get like, ver they get sort of verbally wiped out by somebody in, in like the entertainment industry. Mm. And uh, they go to, some of them move to New York to go to this um, prestigious, I don't know if it's made up, but it's performing arts school. Yeah. And every single day is like uh, up and down. It's like a peak and a trough. Like mm. they get destroyed and then they get rebuilt. <laughs> and then like, but it's obviously not like that. At art school and in your career, it's like, uh, it's much less eventful. It's... Um, yeah, days days in art school can just be, you know, a lot of indifference. Yeah. Same same in the world. Like mm. uh, people, nobody hates my paintings. Mm. Um, maybe one or two people, mm. but I don't think anyone really hates them. But most people don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> so when you also when you get really strong criticism, it's just, it's something to hold on to, you mm. know. Um, I can't remember how we got onto this. Oh, yeah, it's about showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's a chance to have someone say something about it. Mm. Um, and it doesn't mean, obviously, I'm going to do what they say or or accept or believe uh, the reason they like it or dislike it. Mm. But it's really interesting to hear what people think mm. because that's the thing you don't really get is what people think most of the time, what they actually think. Yeah, yeah, and I guess, um, well, I guess these days, especially with artists, um, with putting work online a lot and that being um, a form of sharing that has become the yeah. norm, that's that's a kind of, can be seen as an opportunity for feedback, but then obviously, as you're saying, you only yeah. really get the positivity perhaps yeah and in that positivity is you know that's it's not positivity really mostly masquerading as as mostly indifference masquerading as positivity right yeah it's interesting yeah. because obviously instagram and facebook are it's deliberately 
um, there is no negative option. Yeah, that, yeah, the, that's yeah, been exactly. done very deliberately. Like I, I've even read about that. that mm. They've said, you know, it's about encouraging that kind of atmosphere, whether or not they really believe what they're saying there. Mm. I don't know, but supposedly they're encouraging that sort of positivist atmosphere. Mm. But of course, all that does is it doesn't actually change the way anyone actually thinks. It just changes the language. Mm. Um, so you, you get a lot of you basically never get anyone slagging anything off <laughs> unless it's unless it's uh, someone's got such an audience that they attract a really wide mm. and, then, and then it's quite funny <laughs> <laughs> what, what people write <laughs> these some of these big platforms like um like young space or or a museum a museum platform is always funny to go on and see what what people vent <laughs> in the comments it's really funny I think. <laughs> well maybe um mm. s- sidetracking slightly you mentioned um you mentioned drawing a bit earlier yeah um and i know recently drawing has become um quite a regular kind of touchstone for you yeah um, definitely and i was i was wondering kind of um, what role maybe the drawings play in the paintings or kind of in your practice as a whole? Mm. It's a way of getting out the things you thought of using into something visual and uh, lasts a bit longer than memory mm. or an attention span. And it's a way of only drawing pastels because it's... Uh, oil pastels are so similar to oil paint that you can do quite you can get quite a lot of ideas out of the way mm. before um, you know not just um, using a shape or composition or things like that you can get yeah. the complexity of how colors work because that's the problem with painting it's like it's not that it's not the idea that that you've got that is ever the problem the idea ends up becoming the framework around which to paint Mm -hmm. even even though it starts out that you think oh I'm going to paint but this is what I'm going to use it for Mm. it always ends up becoming inverted Um, and that when when something works it's because of usually a really organic and super complex relation of materials and and sort of applications and processes that most like ninety percent of it is kind of accidental. Yeah. Um, and when you draw with oil pastels, you get a lot of that demonstrated in front of you before you have to do it on the canvas. Um, sort of, you know, just things you wouldn't things you wouldn't have thought of happening, like colors you wouldn't have thought to use here and there. Mm. You can be much more random. You just pick up something without looking, try it out, and you find out you find out so much more than if you're constrained to learning your lessons only through the paintings you make. I mm. think. Mm. Mm. So, do the um, do the drawings that you make um, suggest kind of beginnings of paintings, or um, or do you kind of see them as kind of separate entities, like works on paper and and your paintings? I, I see them as separate entities, but when they work very well. 
then that always makes me want to make it into something a slightly bigger statement which which a painting is mm-hmm. um, even though academically it's not so it's supposedly yeah. you know equal and I can completely see the logic there I do think you should make an everyone should make an effort to disregard size and material somewhat mm. um, in the interest of what's in front of them but nonetheless I do find if I've if I'm happy with something that's happened on paper I sort of wish it had happened just bigger and yeah. in paint <laughs> and also oil pastels never really dry <laughs> so it's kind of like it's always like a sl- got this slightly temperate you have to put it in uh, a really decent frame like one with r- a really good uh, UV blocking mm. ability glass and obviously one that protects the surface and that, that's quite expensive um, and it is worth doing um, even if you don't like frames just as a way of making of protecting it yeah yeah protecting this thing mm. um, whereas a, a painting is is a is a plastic rendering of of this idea mm. and it's it's set after a while it's set and it just I don't know it, it just for everybody it is just a bit more of a whole whole a whole object a complete mm. object mm-hmm. a complete thing and that's important because the idea that you put into it is often so um, kind of roundabout and and twisted that 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 kind of uh, commitment to it is very is is really important. Mm. Um, I was thinking I was listening to Sun Kill Moon earlier, and I was thinking about how um, they they sort of don't insist on a melody for their songs. It seems like Mark Kozlek sort of sits down and goes, I'm just going to write a song and that's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine with it. Yeah. But because he doesn't insist on it, this very, very gentle thing is allowed to emerge mm-hmm. It's because it, it's in a no-pressure environment. It's really complex. And mm. you kind of th- you sort of listen to it and think, I don't know why this is catchy. It shouldn't be, but it is. And that's kind of what, that's the thing that needs to emerge when you're painting is this sort of idea you had you've probably had it you don't know how long you've had it mm. it's in some ways it's like as old as the pigments in the paint yeah it's like it's it's been god knows how long it's been part of you it might have been part of your parents mm. you know it might have like these ways we t- we were talking earlier about like um about a kind of semi-criminal <laughs> lingo yeah that people can't understand that yeah. i think is kind of passed down from generations mm and that's a language mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of understanding of these sort of much more nebulous formless things such as what you might end up putting into the painting it's got a lineage a bit like that it's, yeah. it could go back hundreds of years you don't know and it's also a product of so many things you can't possibly try to understand no. um, as well as places you've been recently and things you've seen recently mm. So when you finally get something, going back to the point about paintings and drawings, when you finally get something that is that, that is a well uh, brought together yet uh, 
satisfyingly complex idea that does mm. that does uh, put out there what you something that you want it to do. Mm. You want it to be really solid, and you want it to look like you really mean it, mm-hmm. and for people to understand that you really mean it and you're really behind this. Um, so, so it can be super frustrating if you can't, you know, scale them up. Like you're torturously frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you talking there actually reminded me of um, something that I read of Talar, and he talks about painting. He says painting is free falling with the idea in your pocket. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and and what you're saying, especially about uh, kind of the Sun Kill Moon, the guy I can't remember. Yeah. You said I can't remember what his name was. Um, but yeah, you kind of set out to create kind of something, but you don't want to have it kind of fully formed. You have this sense of something which you are then kind of yeah. f- just following. I wouldn't say blindly, but you you sense that there is something there and you follow yeah. it. Would you say that that's um, like when you're about about to begin a painting? Do you do you feel like you have that kind of sense within you that you, there's 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 something there to kind of yeah. To get yeah, there's there's something there, but what it is perhaps yeah. By that, when you first start a painting, by that point it is so far away that thing that it needs to be that mm. it's it's super perfunctory. Every move you make at that point, it's comically useless. Every every bit of paint you put down at that bit, it's it's not really painting. It's filling in space. Mm. <clears throat> I tried to scale up a drawing by copying it and that's what happened was that I'd finished it in about an hour mm-hmm. and it hadn't gone through the realisation the drawing had and so the thing sitting on there was I don't know, it wasn't incongruous that the explanation for what was wrong is nowhere near that simple but it's mm. much more unsettling than that it's really just it's too new it's been forced into existence mm. and it's got to, it's just such a long time waiting for it to whatever wants to come out yeah waiting for it to come out mm. and it's so hard to keep your nerve and let it recognize it when it does and be patient and mm. not fall in into any other sort of psychological pitfalls that you you have when you know you haven't got a lot to sort of hold on to mm. um so I can't remember what the question was. Oh no, the Kanaya's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that answered it, whatever it was. Um, yeah, no, you asked about if it's there when you start the painting. Yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of is, but it's it's a long way off. It's coming towards you, but it's a long way off. Yeah, and in the intervening time, all you can do is move your arm <laughs> and expend this outrageously expensive material (laughs) until it's ready Mm. until you've made enough of a fertile mess that it can sit in it Mm. and and feel at home and so that perfunctory stage takes up a lot of the process and it's just very weird because you have to do it Mm. you can't not do it yeah but it's just really super pointless feeling Mm. and demoralizing (laughs) (laughs) very different for everyone else but Mm. um, everyone's got their way of this but for me that bit 
it's just legwork to be got out of the way yeah until you know yeah <laughs> but then of course there are those ones that we all do every now and then where it's, it takes an hour and a half and it's perfect mm. from start to finish mm. and it's just a kind of immaculate conception yeah <laughs> Um, so with that said I guess there's there's paintings that are up here that are stretched ready to go um, yeah. th 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 there's this one um, I, I should describe a little bit about the studio I guess so on on the left there's this um, bugbear of a painting um, the walls are kind of covered in paint um, and I do believe that in front of it is a is a chest of kind of paints and mediums that you've had. I've had that since my foundation. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bought that from the home base in, in on the Lower Bristol Road in Bath. <laughs> and yeah, I've had it since then. And it's it's come everywhere with me. <laughs> when I started RCA, I took a little photo of it on the bus on the way to college, sitting there looking all disgusting. <laughs> Very fond of it, yeah. Um, well, maybe, well, maybe then this is a good opportunity to kind of talk about um, kind of, yeah, about growing up in Bath maybe and how um, and how your interests in painting and uh, and stuff kind of began really. Was it was it in Bath that, well, yeah, when you were a, a lot yeah. younger that yeah. it kind of begun? Yeah, Bath is um, the sort of, the bit with the essence of Bath in it is a... 18th century uh, sort of exercise in reviving ro like Roman and Greek um, culture in architecture. Mm. Um, so it's it's weird because it's not totally fake. It doesn't. F it is in a sense, but it doesn't feel mm. totally fake because it is really old at the yeah. same time, and it's got a kind of attraction to it because there's also Bath stone which is a really nice type of stone. Mm. Um, and it, for example, another, another example of revival of Greco-Roman architecture is Nazi architecture, which mm. is awful. Yeah. Um, and Bath, Bath isn't like that at all. That, that stuff does look really fake. I, I was thinking about this the other day, mm -hmm. how, because I went to Rome about a, about a year ago, and I was standing in front of the Parthenon, sorry, Pantheon, mm. and how all the Nazi architecture I've seen just felt totally cardboard next to that. It's just solid, you know, so solid. Mm. And the architecture in Bath has a little bit more of that, even though not, not com nothing like it really, yeah. but a little bit more of that. It's got a bit more organicness to it. It's got a bit more interest and a bit more soul behind it. Um, although they've started to redevelop parts of the city with a brand new, you know, sort of clip-on facade version, which, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 that's a whole podcast there, unpacking all that. Mm. So that had a lot to do with it because, of course, this stuff is intrinsically connected to historical painting. Mm. And when I, when I started painting seriously, when I was a teenager, I was really into um, both sort of neoclassicism and also romanticism, even though obviously like at the time completely opposed. Yeah, but it, not not in two thousand and five. It didn't matter. Um, and I just loved sort of making these oil paintings that looked like looked a bit like the ones you saw in the museum. <laughs> yeah, I didn't particularly care who did these ones. Mm. You know, the sort of generic oil painting yeah. that you get. 
the generic 19th, 18th century landscape that you get. Um, I just sort of wanted to make things that looked like that, and that yeah. was a really big kick for me. Mm. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, so that sort of got me into sort of a slightly more technical side of painting, although I've never really learnt technical painting. Mm. Um, but it does have this despite all the daftness it does have this kind of romanticism at the at the sort of core of it that kind of that whole area that type of work and how it's sort of remembered and handled now and there's you know there's a kind of earnestness in it and it's and a, and a love of 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 sublime and beauty and it, as, as stupid and victorian as it is mm. it's it was you know it's got a lot of enjoyment in it and I can't get any enjoyment out of that stuff now but I do remember that feeling very well and I just get that feeling elsewhere in a different type of painting yeah um, and that's what it was like moving to London after Bath was the sort of expansion on that kind of on that sort of feeling about painting and art um, which obviously Contemporary art and modern art is supposed to be a destruction of of more historical stuff, yeah. um, and it is in lots of senses. But actually, it's an expansion of it, and um, so that was kind of a. It just it gave me something to sort of explode when I finally got to London, mm. and something something that everything I was seeing could take hold of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Bath was was influential in in lots of ways, but it's I don't really know what it's like now because my parents have moved away. But it's it was de it was it was very definitely limited to certain type of thing, so it was quite important to leave. Um, it's not like coming from Manchester or something like that. Mm. Or it's it, there's a lot of the world it just doesn't acknowledge. And that people just won't recognise. Yeah. And it did get quite frustrating after mm, a while. Yeah, I bet. <clears throat> and then, I guess, came the move to London, and you kind of decided to decided to study at Goldsmiths. We you did your BA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was that. <laughs> that was funny because uh, I obviously applied there because it's a famous one, mm. and. <laughs> but I had absolutely no it's really hard when you're 17, 18 to tell from open days what a college is like oh it's yeah it's you're being told, you're, they're, and they've got so much info mm. they give you <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're so helpful but it's useless mm. because you don't get it and, <laughs> uh, well I didn't um, <laughs> so I had no idea that Goldsmiths was completely antithetical mm. to what I was into supposedly <laughs> yeah um, um but you know, actually, it ended up not being really antithetical to it. Mm. It was very challenging. Um, but my tutor, who I had in third year, Bernard Walsh, he was the one in my interview. Um, my, my interview, in some ways, was very good, sort of micro, uh, sort of version of how the rest of the time would be, because mm -hmm. Bernard was extremely encouraging. I think he thought there was something perverse in what I was doing in this kind of observational landscape. <laughs> um, and uh, there was another guy called Seth, um, who's a good painter, Seth Pick, um, mm. who really hated it. Um, and he had he had quite a lot of beef with painters in general, um, and and so should you. 
uh, if you're a painter. Um, and he really, like, I was quite shocked at how much he hated what I was doing. Um, and he, he gave, I later sort of found out that he did that to most people. Like we had visiting artists yeah. and he would really lambast the painters, really gave them a hard time. Um, it was a funny mix of, of encouragement and, and sort of, uh, and, and being really sort of told off for what I was doing and yeah. take, taking the piss out of yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> which at the time was difficult. Now I, you know, I was talking earlier about how things don't tend to go that way. You don't tend to get such a contrast of, mm. I think I've never really had an, an environment like that since where it's yeah. been so much of, of validation and invalidation. Mm. Um, so looking back, I really sort of crave it, but at the time it was, it was quite hard, mm. but also, um, yeah, like I said, I've never also been more encouraged. Mm. And it, it completely changed how I feel about feel about art and feel about painting. Um, but in a weird way, in a way that sort of felt like it had always been there. It was like sort of showing me something I'd kind of already mm. known, um, which you do have to do a lot of as an artist. Yeah, for sure. Try and get there. For sure. Um, <clears throat> and was it... Um was it after Goldsmiths you you went you were went to Germany for a bit? Am I, am I right? Or was that, that was during? after my second year of Goldsmiths? Mm. Mm. Was that um was that a it wasn't a residency was it or was it? Um, no, it's an exchange, mm. but the exchange was only a week long. Mm. Um, but something uh, I think something came over that year, mm. that second year. Quite a few of my friends either dropped out or threatened to drop out. Mm. And I was thinking the same. Yeah. I was really fed up with it because um, it was so hard. Because it was so hard going. It was hard going, and um, my second year tutor was nowhere near as int into what I was doing as my first year tutor. Mm -hmm. um, although he was a really good tutor, and that was Nick Crow. Mm -hmm. uh, he was really great. Mm. Um, but my first year tutor, Gail Pickering, mm. she was really encouraging. And so it was a bit of a shock. And then it's also, that's the year you move into your student house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, <laughs> Halls is this lovely, you know, kind of womb. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the student house is just a horrible, expensive, rundown <laughs> London house. Mm. Exactly the same kind as like most workers across the UK are living in, or yeah. at least in, you know, mm. in cities are living in. Um, and the horror of it didn't become apparent to us until afterwards, I think. <laughs> but I think, well, we, yeah, everyone in our house had an awful time, had an awful year for various reasons. A lot of people on the course did. And it was mm. like, it started to feel a bit like a negative thing. And like, I felt like the kind of, the, like the uh, momentum had gone. Mm -hmm. um, and I went away on this uh, little exchange um, all the students were so enthusiastic again very critical people mm. but so enthusiastic what, what so university was it? it was the HFBK it was just the Hochschule für Bildende Künste mm -hmm. which is just like um, it's like the uh, university for like creative arts uh, in Hamburg mm. um, and I was in the class of Anselm Reiler who was this kind of very poppy artist mm. 
Um, and he's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. He's ridiculously <laughs> really? nice. He grew up on a commune, I think, um, <laughs> yeah. like a hippie commune. Uh, he's just so nice. And, um, he was very kind to me, and he let me in the class. He had no idea about the exchange because they don't really, the professors there, they have okay. no idea what's going on because mm. they're, they're there for the sort of status of the school and if they can stand to teach people. But he was really into the teaching side. Um, so he had no idea about this exchange and he couldn't mm. care less. And he was just like, well, why don't you, why can't you just be in my class? Yeah, right. And I was all like, oh, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't work like that. You know, like I'm... <laughs> there's rules. Yeah, there's <laughs> rules, mate. Um, <laughs> um, and then actually I thought, well, if he doesn't care and they're the bosses mm. in, in their art schools, they're the bosses, not like the tutors here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Having to put up with bullshit all the time. Mm. Um, I thought, well, there's no reason why not. So I did. I just, so I went and I lived there for a year. Mm. Um and uh, yeah, um, and had a very different experience. Yeah, what, what, yeah. What what differences? Well, if you can remember, what kind of differences were? Yeah, there? I, rem I remember it very well. It was so formative. Um, mm. The differences were just every, every possible way you could be different. Um, the, the studio spaces were enormous. The sort of delineations of spaces were quite organic. Mm -hmm. um, you could smoke in the studios, which you know wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't an opportunity for me at the time, but I do remember <laughs> thinking that that represented a completely different mm. way of thinking about stuff. And even though I don't smoke, it it was just it was the the right way to think about studios. Yeah, and um, people could stay at the school basically for it seemed like their whole life. <laughs> if they didn't want to leave, <laughs> they could they could just. Uh, some people had been there for 11 years when I got wow. there on the, cause they had the diploma system Jesus. instead of the bachelor. Yeah. And you can just decide when you want to do your exam. What the hell? Um, so I think it was kind of normal to stay five, six years. Mm. Um, and then after about nine years, people would start nudging <laughs> you. It seemed like, uh, but they had this other system called the Meisterschule system, which is like a master's, but you can't really apply for it. You have to, the professor has to ex like right, okay. pick you without you really asking, um, which typifies how it was a bit, because it was much less democratic than UK art schools. If you, if a tutor wasn't interested in your work, they mm. didn't have to take you in their class <laughs> and you could be enrolled at the college and paying your admittedly very minimal fees. Mm. And not have a professor because <laughs> they refused you. Well, just nobody, nobody wanted you. Knows into you. Yeah, yeah no one's into what you do. Um, and there was a there was a class like that. I can't remember what it's called, but it was a class like that, which was half full of anarchists who were like <laughs> fuck the professors, <laughs> and half people who had been sort of refused from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From the, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great that that existed too. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but I was still a bit of a child at the time and I could have made a lot more of it, but it was, yeah. it was deeply affecting. Still. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Yeah. And when I came back, I felt very different. I felt very assured about what I was doing. Yeah. And it actually helped me be at Goldsmith and, and I'd become a bit more eloquent mm. somehow while I was there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> saved, saved me. It did. I think. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, after after Goldsmiths, how many how many years did you did you have between your BA and your and your masters? Um, 
a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, six. Mm. I graduated in 2012 from mm. BA and I start. No, 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 sorry. It was four years. Okay. Started RCA 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in that time where you just, yeah, you got, got the impetus to just, yeah. Yeah, so um, it started that first year out of of, of BA start. That was most of mostly just self organised shows. Yeah, um, and still that year I think was where most of the things I have now kind of came from that year. Really, um, in you know, in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you have that fear of being out of school, and also Goldsmiths, unlike some of some other colleges, really doesn't like guide you into life afterwards. No, and the tutors there don't necessarily know what's going on outside <laughs> some of them do but yeah. some of them don't um mm. they are not really bothered about this idea whether you have a career or not because they don't really hold it as important mm. which has you know has some worth to it that idea yeah it's good to feel like that for a, for a time um so quite a drift when we left everybody um and as with all art schools lots of people don't carry on doing anything mm. and so i think those of us that that still were interested yeah and anyone that wanted to be associated with me and my friends we did do uh, we organized our own shows and that's when you apply to prizes and things and all that just because anything you need anything at that point yeah yeah Um, for sure and i had no i just had no critical eye on the painting scene in london because i I was completely separate to it Mm. uh, because i was painting away at goldsmiths and i had no idea really uh, what was actually happening in London, painting-wise? Mm. Um, painting in London at that time wasn't as accepted as it is now. Like it's crazy that we now have Max Hetzler in in it's it's like some of the exhibitions you get here. Yeah, um, I, I I would have you know given a lot to see in 2011, 12 work that people in Germany took very seriously. No yeah. one knew about here, um, especially if it was painting. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was just a slightly less forgiving environment, really. Um, there just wasn't quite as much going on with painting as there is now in London. Yeah. And it's not even that long ago. Mm. That's like seven years ago now, but it's loads has changed for painters in London. Um, so that first year was all about sort of discovering this place I lived. That I'd <laughs> yeah. sort of been really separate from. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> Just need to crack beer number two. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Let's just. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> and yeah, and then uh, so that's that's all we did for for a while, um, uh, and eventually you start getting offered shows. Yeah, right. Instead yeah. of always having to put your own ones mm. on. Mm. And various, you know, careery things. Yeah, right. First tastes of this and that. Yeah, because you you'd had, um, yeah, you were given quite a few kind of solo shows in those kind of years following, following, following Goldsmiths had, and um, yeah, I think I had two. Um, and then, yeah, and yeah, they were, yeah, they were great shows, and they were, yeah, you're making some great work. Um, and then obviously came the choice to apply to or apply for um, a master's 
and you ended up at, at the Royal College, yeah. um, where we met, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I, remember that I was, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering, kind of, what inspired the decision to kind of, um, yeah, to kind of want to uh, study again. Um, yeah. It was. It was that thing I said before about not really hearing any feedback and not and sort of the indifference of exhibitions like you put on shows mm. and loads of people come and you all get pissed afterwards and your friends come and everyone tells you how much they like the work yeah I'm not complaining about it <laughs> <laughs> but I started to wonder if I was sinking back into a little bit of a bubble mm. um, and James Collins, who I share the studio with, he was at the RCA and I saw there that things in his year were quite, uh, there was there was quite a sense of consequence and it seemed like it was quite a healthy amount of um, kind of jeopardy, mm. there was a bit of risk. Mm. Um, I met, uh, when I went to visit him, a few times I met, that's where I met Demi, Demi Georgiou, and I think I briefly met Matt Hilvers. Mm -hmm. um, I met Victor Piaris, um, and I, re I really liked what they were doing, and I really liked how they were quite critical people and taking it really seriously. Mm. Um, and it just seemed uh, it seemed like a lot of fun. So I, uh, yeah, that, that sort of sealed the deal. Yeah, for sure. I thought I need to do... Be mm. a good time to do that. Also, if I wait, waited much longer, because by that point I was, I think, like twenty-seven. Yeah, I thought if I waited much longer, it'll be a, a very different experience. Mm. Um, and also, it's never going to be, it's never going to feel like the right time necessarily. It's always going to be a bit difficult with fees and all that. So mm. Mm, let's just do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and was the reality of your experience um, the same as what you'd kind of? expected uh, from no it wasn't day. actually <laughs> no no not at all our year was very different mm. um, it didn't have as many sort of maniacs <laughs> um, it wasn't there wasn't a very critical atmosphere um, I did have a great time and I got loads from it but I yeah just not on the critical side <laughs> yeah I mean I was I was comparing myself with other people a lot, very yeah. strongly, and mm. so that was kind of an element of criticality. Yeah, um, and there were really good. There are some really good painters on the course and in the year below, and people who were there. So that did introduce a bit of that. Mm. The tutorials and the and the crits we had weren't very engaged. Mm. It didn't feel like people loved the work, it, that, and that's why they weren't saying anything. It was just mm. apathy. Mm. Um, and it's really, an, I've kind of forgot that I don't like being a student and it's annoying being in an institution as an adult because um, something about studenthood is slightly regressive and it brought out this weird sort of side in me where I wanted to, I wanted to misbehave <laughs> even though I'd chosen to be there, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which I didn't really expect. Mm. Um, so I didn't go to any other stuff because it was on days that was like a bit inconvenient and I just thought, well, I only want to be in the studio and I only want to be in crits. Yeah. Um, 
and I was sort of a bit shocked a bit at the level of level of people they were letting in. Yeah, and I did go to a few kind of communal crit type things. Those sort of cross cross school crits and yeah. cross year things, and they were a waste of time. Mm. Um, so I, I did have a great time, but it was nothing like it was at Goldsmiths. Yeah, right. Um, but I think that's kind of a bit of a thing with MAs, though, because you're very different when you get to that stage. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, for example, doing a Goldsmiths MA would have been that much different to that, actually. Mm. So it's, it's not wholly about the RCA. I think mm. it's just MAs just of just very different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess bringing up to speed now, um, what's life been like like after after that Masters because I, I guess um, you've kind of got those two years and from the outset you're very aware of this final show and um, you're made very aware of people that have come before you and now yeah. how kind of massive this thing can be mm-hmm. um, and then obviously naturally for a lot of people you finish and it's just okay yeah back to normal life <laughs> yeah. yeah um and obviously things recently have changed for you as well becoming a dad and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah um which is to say congratulations Thank officially on the much. podcast <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah well i i, I guess I've, i don't really know exactly mm. where i'm going but more kind of um how has life been kind of after after that process um kind of compared to how you were kind of after your after your ba and how you've managed to kind of juggle all of all of the stuff that you normally have to juggle whilst you know now now becoming a parent and yeah it was it was sort of business as usual getting back to life after the rca it mm. was quite a relief um but the work i found myself making in the year after the rca i was felt much better about yeah although that was in part thanks to what i had made at rca um yeah in a in a large way thanks to that um and that's when I start. even though I had a studio, I've had a studio since, is when I started making a lot more stuff at home and thinking about the space where you make work and where is most important, um, uh, well, what is important for you in that space. Yeah. That's been a big issue Like that I've thought about a lot this last year because it's got to be obviously very long-term and it's got to be somewhere where you are the best version of yourself when doing that mm. so it's no good you know it's no good not wanting to go to the studio it's no good the studio being this scary place yeah. this sort of forbidding place um and it's also um very different to this uh, college shared studio atmosphere which is it's neither a scary place and it's neither a welcoming place it's sort of it's quite it's just quite it's very temporary yeah. and it's quite indifferent and it's quite hard to feel like yourself in there and at yeah. first it's a big novelty because you're kind of on on stage a bit because mm. everyone's looking at what everyone's doing and there's yeah. an element of performativity yeah which is quite that's quite fun at first and that mm. does some good things for people's work but um i was really craving the sort of more the more personal atmosphere yeah right of of my own studio after that because it started to feel a lot like not taking yourself very seriously yeah. being in a in a college studio <laughs> even if it's you know the RCA and yeah. MA um, and that's so that's when I also started working at home a lot because I thought it's got to be important surely to yeah. 
work at home even if you work in a studio most of the time because there's no break then between an idea and there's no physical distance and there's no other kind of distance yeah right um so that's when i started um working on sort of pastel and paper a lot more and also painting at home just in the living room mm. just because i think it's quite it's important to be able to do that yeah um it's important to do it mm. even if you've got a studio practice mm. Mm, for sure um and i think you might have mentioned maybe um yeah, well, like come up against the problem of like where to make work and whatever, mm. um, and I and you, I think you kind of mentioned that. Um, well, yeah, when kind of difficulties arrive in the work, um, or perhaps you can't get into your studio, or, or perhaps I don't know, there's some sign of difficulty in the way of you and the work. Um, kind of, I guess I'm kind of wondering how or what methods you've kind of. You, you use or how you get around those kind of problems or perhaps when you might not even want to make work and you might not want to go to the studio how you kind of how you kind of get that kick up the bum hmm or, or, or are there singular methods or is it just yeah that sort of I don't know that idea of motivation mm. I, sw I suppose I just if I don't feel like doing it I don't do it mm. I don't think of ways to motivate myself. It's, it's I suppose that did used to be an issue a long time ago mm. for me, but it's it's not really now. If I don't feel like doing it, I just don't do it. Mm. Um, and is it because you're trusting in the fact that you know it's, it hasn't gone anywhere? Yeah, just uh, and I kind of always feel a bit like doing it. Even if it's not really that night, yeah, it's not like you know when you don't feel like doing most most other things. If you don't feel like doing it, you you kind of feel like in that moment you never want to do it again. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like if it's going to work, or yeah. <laughs> if you've taken up a sort of gym routine or something, <laughs> then you you sometimes think like I don't ever want to do this. Mm. I just might I might just sack it off. Yeah. Um. So I don't feel like that. I just think I oh, know today I'm not. Yeah, not particularly motivated to. I'd rather go to Cafe Nero because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's important to. So there's like a is it? So there's like a trust in yourself, really. That there's a trusting that this thing is is important and will. I think what it actually important. what a lot of it comes from that I've kind of forgotten maybe is that there is so much narrative about motivation mm. in not just in art in any job yeah, especially right. this is an era of like of psychological uh, rhetoric around motivation and what you do and how productive you are mm. and uh, one thing that's kind of relative to artists is this thing that like you don't you throw yourself into it and you just don't look outside of it and you don't like, you know, as though it comes from nowhere. Mm. Um, and there's only, it does to an extent, it comes from like all this stuff you've built up as a child and an adolescent, but you can't mine that forever. Yeah. And I think that nobody wants to see themselves. You, you're kind of not really supposed to be someone that goes in, let's say, 
my opt I think my optimum time in the studio would be two or three days a week. Yeah. Uh, that's actually perfect. I would me. say I would say I would, with I would some, personally with and then pepper that with some stuff at home. Yeah. And things like that. Because I think that everybody's different and it's not like other stuff and sometimes to make work and to be in the right mood you just have to be you have to be meandering. Mm. You have to be And also time to digest maybe. Yeah, totally. As well. Yeah, time to think. It's really important that time to think. Mm. Mm. And not just to be a kind of a slug chewing at the apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuz and I and I I think that well, time is in and is inherent in painting for sure. Um and yeah, to work against that just seems a bit well just just a, a bit silly. Yeah. Really. Um because it is always supposed to be something that's slightly antithetical to mm. all of our other conceived languages. Mm. And so it follows that the the discipline of time and application is going mm. to be very different too. Mm. Um and I just think it's important not to try not to treat it like a job, even if it pays the bills. Yeah. It's important that it's if if you're if you want to work like that, there's nothing wrong with it because mm. you should be able to work whichever way you want. Oh, that's yeah, the yeah, point. for sure. If, if that's your way, that that's your way. That is the main point. Yeah. But you should be able to work whichever way you want. Yeah, right. That, that is the point. Mm. If it's if it's more like, uh, you know, you like to kind of sort of fanny about, basically, mm. then that's something that you need to be comfortable with yeah. being your, your way. Mm. And just how you go about things yeah um the the things that artists are supposed to do with their time and energies is always being dictated to us by people who aren't artists (laughs) i remember reading on stefan simkovitz's uh i don't necessarily have a problem with stefan simkovitz in the way that the art world does you know obviously there's something that's not great and obviously i don't i don't really understand it yeah he's a bit like a brexit (laughs) In the art world, like everyone has an opinion, and very little people, very few people understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did take issue with was his, um, what he said about uh, w- what artists should do with their time and how they should live. Mm. And it sort of came across as a bit of a like drag, not Dragon's Den, like Apprentice, like uh, sort of. <laughs> bit of a boot camp like you should be optimizing every aspect of your life for maximum studio output <laughs> and i thought that is something that sounds like the perfect artist for someone who wants to flip a lot of work yeah is turn you into a production machine mm. and and this kind of but then jerry saltz said something really good which was the opposite which was that like no if you want to have a family have a family if you want to walk around the park do that mm. if you want to like do these things you know you can yeah you don't have to of course the whole point is you're not you don't have to do any of it mm. but you can do whatever you want mm. um and i'm just so sick of listening to people who have put themselves or have been put in this position of guru and leadership mm. who don't know what it's like and right, aren't yeah. artists themselves yeah and, and they can fuck off and I get yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I guess for also like uh, younger artists and artists like students, whatever, um, you're, 
I think you're you're always impressionable to a degree, but at, at an early at an early stage in in your kind of artistic kind of careers, I, I guess it can be quite damaging to get that kind of um, yeah that's to kind of pay to take that. heed to that kind of yeah. yeah but that, and those are the years you listen to those idiots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of course, because because of course you would because it's yeah. someone that you kind of might revere or someone that you yeah yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that must be how you must operate on that. Yeah, must, that's right. That, to make great work, that must be how I, whatever. Yeah. How I have to do things. It's yeah, ridiculous. very impressionable at that age. And that, I mm. think that's why it makes me so angry because I was too. And I remember believing people. And then, you know, as you grow up, you see more and more examples of it being total bullshit mm. and that nobody really knows what they're talking about. Mm. And the people as with everything the people that say they know what they're talking about the most are the ones that know the least mm. and the people who acknowledge the confusion yeah. the void mm. are the ones to listen to yeah right exactly exactly um, and yeah and there's a and there's a trust there's trust in yourself isn't there there's just there's trust yeah. That, yeah. yeah trust in what you want to do and what you like doing yeah right exactly what is a nice life yeah and remember also, painting is supposed to be and making art is supposed to be a good thing for mm. you and it's, also you're meant to in, not meant to but it should be an enjoyable activity <laughs> it should be yeah at some point it should, yeah, be, it should a, be that was that goes back to what i was talking about with these long playing mm. larger paintings yeah so i was starting to think like this is not sustainable and why would i choose this to spend this very limited amount of time i have on alive <laughs> doing it if it's yeah. if, it, if i'm so miserable yeah it's right such yeah. A grind yeah why would i i'm not talking about like everything needs to be a happy painting mm. like that's not what i mean at all yeah um because that's not enjoyable what, mm. what's enjoyable is you know acknowledging things mm. but the making of it needs to feel good yeah and needs to feel useful and it's a bit it's a bit pointless if it's this much of a grind <coughs> to mm. do it so i'm trying to get better at that that's kind of a post rca thing is trying yeah, right. to get better at, at making it more direct directly what i wanted to mm. do mm. everyone has that point where they think like was this what i'm set out to do is mm. what i meant to do yeah would i you know was this why did i choose this because it could have been i could have chosen a safer career mm. so if it's not going to be if it's not going to be a, an adventure then what's the point right that yeah. is re it's really easy to make this pointless yeah being an <laughs> artist if you're not careful yeah <laughs> so don't make it pointless yeah yeah there's something to really watch out for yeah. <laughs> well as you know well as you and as you may know with these mm -hmm. podcasts um Towards the end, um, I ask all our guests two questions. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to have to put you on the spot. Shotgun Sorry, in the face. So the first question is, um, if you could swap places with me um, and visit mm. kind of any artist in their studio, and um, they could be living or dead, um, yeah, who would, you, who would you like to visit and chat to? And um, yeah, and what would you ask them? I'm going to go for um, a painter called Norbert Schwankowski, who is is dead, but only recently dead, mm. um, because he's one of my absolute favourite painters, 
who I constantly look at for remembering what sort of joyful work is. Mm. And it's quite dark work, but yeah. it's 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 everything that it should be for a person. Mm. And I also only got into this the work um just before he died. And he he was <clears throat> The year before I got to the Hochschule für Berlin der Künste in Hamburg, he was teaching there, and then he retired. Mm. Um, and so he was a bit of a local legend, and I only heard about him from other people. Mm. Um, and I really got into the work. But over a long time, it was one of slow burners for me, really got into the work. And by the time I was fully, like, I fully got it. And we're still, still now, like, looking at the same stuff, it just keeps unfolding. Um but he died really abruptly as he was having uh for me this kind of <clears throat> sort of moment of epiphany but also he was across across germany at that point he suddenly had a lot of big museum shows yeah. and it, you know that's kind of why i suddenly like became a bit more aware of it um and the people i know remember him as a legend and I yeah so that's why because it's I just missed out on that and I really regret that mm. um that fact and and yeah he's also because he's also one of my absolute favorite painters mm. so that's who it would be Norbert Schronkowski cracking answer thank you <laughs> <laughs> um and to end on a real positive note um the last question is um is has there been a piece of advice that you've been given or something maybe that someone has said to you that's kind of carried through um, in your work or, or with you. Um, yeah, has, has there been anything that's yeah, that's yeah, that someone said that stuck with you, and, and what would that be? Ah, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Mm. I don't have a really good answer for that. <laughs> I don't think. When I'm working, I always hear a lot of different voices. Yeah, like mm, the the strongest ones are I think my mum Isabel and a couple of my mates um, and those are words those are voices saying words which heavily inform what I'm doing mm. um, I I kind of don't really I probably have heard people say like some lovely nuggets of yeah. like concise things but I'm not really a fan of like aphorisms yeah. in artist interviews mm. um, but there is that great one by f a female painter whose who's name I can't remember right now about it being um, it might have been Mary Heilman mm. about a painting being fun to look at and again she doesn't mean facile um, but what she said was if a painting was a drag to make it's a drag to look at mm. and I do find myself th thinking that I heard that a long time ago mm. but I still do I have to admit I still find myself thinking about that and thinking like because it's that thing that dr draws me back to like what, why like remember why you chose this and yeah. what you should be making and mm. how it should be making you feel and you're entitled to this experience and that's essentially who it's for mm. and 
it's just it's very easy to stray from that. Yeah, so you've sure. got to keep kind of keep on the mm. keep letting, yeah keep on your toes with that sort of side of things. Mm. So that sums that does sum that up. I think that sort of quote, yeah. even though I quoted it very badly. Well, what another great answer. Um, cool. We yeah. Well, I guess we're coming up. Yeah, coming up to the end now. So I I want to ask if there's anything um, that you might like to plug. You mentioned that you're in. Um, like Manchester Contemporary. Manchester Contemporary, Gardens. yeah, that's got already said that. I think um, another show with Lungley coming up in, mm. uh, I think, in the spring. Great. Um, I just, I'd like to quite like to plug Mark Lungley. Actually, I think yeah. he's really great guy. I think he's a uh, he's a breath of fresh air among sort of new galleries yeah. in London. He's got a lot of support from people. Um, he's yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to that show a lot. Mm. And I have no idea what I'll make. Yeah. Um, but his gallery is great and everyone should should have a look and go along to the openings and meet him. Because um, he's a lovely bloke. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's You, can, think that's you, you can have some pints upstairs. Have some pints upstairs. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I should say where it is. It's <laughs> yeah. in it's in the Haggerston pub. Yeah. And it's downstairs and it's a tiny, tiny little gallery. Mm. So it's you go down and you you don't you know, you can't spend that long there. Mm. You have a look at what's on. Mm. Some nice little digestible nugget. I'm yeah. sure he'll move to a bigger space at some point. Mm. Uh, I can see him doing good things. Yeah, and I'm excited for my show. And yeah, I just want to make sure people are, are sort of aware of him and what's going on. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, well, nice one. All right, we got Mark. <laughs> yeah, we got Mark. <laughs> if you're um, listening. <laughs> well, that was bloody great, Ray. Cheers. Thank, Thank you, you very much, much, Dave. Enjoyed Cheers it very much. Me. Um, paint you fumes are fully in my lungs now. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I think some fresh Being air. A bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Head out. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. 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 So, thank you very much for listening to us all the way through. Please find more information about what was discussed on the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, then please subscribe to the podcast. And also follow our Instagram, which we regularly update with posts about each guest and all goings on with the podcast. Also, if you can spare a moment, please leave us a lovely review and that would help us out a lot. As well as that, if you have any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us, then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. All of our details are again in the notes section of each podcast. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.